We are learning Daf Pei Aleph, and we're starting from the Mishnah, six, seven lines down. So we are talking, again, we've been talking about a Sris Cham and a Sris Adam. Sris Adam is the Patua Daka of the Pasuk, who's Lo Yavu Hashem, not allowed to marry a regular Jewish girl, the one who had an accident that uh, disturbed the reproductive organs. Sris Cham is the person with an illness, just born naturally, and sterile. He does not have the Isser of marrying a Jewish girl. So what happens? Sris Chama Kohen, Shinasa Bas The Mishnah discusses a Sris Chama who is a Kohen. So a Sris Chama is a Kohen, he's perfectly eligible to marry a Jewish girl. There's no issue with that, right? Only a Sris, a Sris Adam is the one who is a Petzuah So in our case, he might be sterile, and they might not be able to have children, but it's a perfectly good kosher marriage, and he's a Kohen. So if he's marrying the daughter of Yisrael, Machil Trima, he entitles her to eat Trima. That law is almost so obvious that the Gemara is going to be bothered. Like, is there any novelty in this at all, right? Every time a Kohen marries a regular Jewish girl who's not a Kohanis, he could feed her Truma. So here he's a Sris Chama, so there's not even an Isser for her to marry him. Everything's fine, kosher. So she's allowed to eat the Truma. Reb Yossi, Reb Shimon Omer, Reb Yossi and Reb Shimon say, Androgenes Kohen, Shinasa Pas Yisrael, Machila Batrima. Reb Yossi and Reb Shimon say, what happens if I have an androgynous Kohen? So an androgynous is someone who has both a male and a female organ, and we're going to see a whole discussion about how exactly he's classified the halacha. But the starting point here is our Mishnah, where you have an androgynous who he himself is a Kohen, and he's marrying the daughter of Yisrael. So marriage, it's interesting to call it marriage. Like obviously, it's only marriage if he's a boy, right? That's the whole point. If he's marrying a girl, then we have to be determining that androgynous is really, is really a boy first. So these opinions here in the Mishnah, Rav Yossi and Rav Shimon, they're saying it entitles her to eat Shema because they're classifying the androgynous as a male. So now it's a regular male and he's a Kohen, so, so he, could feed, he could feed his wife Shema. That's the main Chiddush, Rav Yossi and Rav Shimon, to classify the androgynous as a male. Continue, and we'll see, obviously, discussion about that in the Gemara. Is that everyone agree to that? Is that not, is that not universally agreed upon? Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Tumtum Let's say I have a tumtum. A tumtum is the person that there was skin that was covering uh, the whole general area, so it was impossible to determine if the person was a male or female. That's, that's the difference always between androgynous and, tum, and, and tumtum. Androgynous is someone who displays both organs, that, uh, male and female, and tumtum is the one where it was um, covered. So what happened was the tumtum, we didn't know if he was male or female, but then eventually the skin, the flesh was ripped open, and then we see he's a male. So Lachari is a regular male, you would say, right? So the Mishnah says, however, lo yachlot, and he should not be the one to do chalitza because he is considered like a saris. So meaning our point is, is that if it's surgically removed and he's found to be a male, he's still going to be uh, uh, sterile. There's no way, he's pointing out like a whole new, a whole new dimension here in a, in a tumtum, that a tumtum, besides for the fact that we don't know if he's a male or female, even if we do some sort of surgery and we remove the, 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 the flesh that's covering the general area and we see that he's a male, but there's no question that he's a sterile male. He's incapable of having children. It would be, and again, this is just biologically true within Rabbi Yehuda's perspective. So therefore, he's going to be a sterile, a sris chama, and Rabbi Yehuda's opinion is that the sris chama does not do chalitza. Now, the truth is that uh, we saw... Um, we, when we, we were looking back in the Mishnah, that um, actually I shouldn't say it so, 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 so quickly because which type of Sris is he? If he is a Sris, right? We're saying that he is a Sris. Which type of Sris do you think he is? Do you think he's a Sris who was naturally a Sris? Or do, are we saying that the removal of the flesh for sure 
hurts or makes an accident to one of the to the organ, and therefore that's what makes him Sris, and he's really a Sris Adam. Which one do we think we say he is? So it seems that Mufarshim think that we mean he's a Sris Adam. In other words, a surgical operation of removing the flesh covering the general area will itself cause injury and damage to the organs. That's the point that Rabbi does say. And if he's saying you don't do chalitza, then that means he's going like Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer was the one who said that Sris Adam in the last couple of days doesn't do chalitza. Okay, either way, that's just an added point here in the Mishnah, that if a tumtum had the, the skin ripped open, he's a male, he's considered to be a Sris. Continues the Mishnah, Androgynous no se avalonisa. Androgynous can marry a woman, but he cannot be taken in marriage by a man. So in other words, again, the Tana here holds the Androgynous is considered a male, so he can get married to a female, but he cannot be taken as a wife by a male. And to the opposite, it would be Mishkov Zachar if, uh, if he would have relations with a man, and we'll see some of the complexity here. Rebbe Lazar Amir, Rebbe Lazar adds, Androgynous chaylav miskila kezachar. A male is liable, mamish for skila, and that's normally the halacha of mishkav zachar, that there's a chi of skila. So just as if there's mishkav zachar with a male, there's a skila. So too, if someone has mishkav zachar with an androgynous, we're saying androgynous, who has a male and female organs, but halachically, he's defined in these tanoim as being like a male. So if he had an active relations with the Androgynous, he would be chayav askila, just like with the male. And we'll have to see what is the dispute, right? Because the last opinion in the mission also seemed to be saying the androgynous is defined as a male. We said an androgynous can get married to a woman, but, but a man can't take him in marriage. So clearly we see we're defining him as a male. So then wouldn't you expect that? That if a male would have relations with him, it would be chayav for stoning for Mishkav Zachar? It doesn't really seem to be any dispute here. So the Gemara will have to address that point. What is the... Uh, what is the dispute, if anything, between Rabbi Eliezer and the Tanakhama? All right. So first, we're going to analyze with the, the opening line of the mission. The opening line of the mission was that if I have a Kohen who is a Sris Chama, and again, that means he's kosher to marry any Jewish girl. Only a Sris Adam cannot marry a Jewish girl. So if a Sris Chama Kohen marries a Jewish girl, he could feed her Chirma. Says the Gemara Pshito, that's obvious. I mean, he's allowed to get married. It just happens to be he can't have children. He's sterile. But why is that a reason? Why you would think that he cannot feed his wife Truma? It's a wife of a Kohen. She could eat Truma. Says the Mount of you might have thought, maybe only a Kohen you could have children entitles his wife to eat Truma, but a Kohen you cannot father children cannot entitle his wife to eat Truma. The Tana tells us otherwise. Now, why would you have thought that at all? The Kavar just says the fact you would have said that uh, only, only a Kohen you can have children. So the answer is because remember that Apostle when it spoke about the Kohen's children that they can keep on continuing to allow their mother to eat Truma post the marriage. Remember that law. So the Apostle says, So I would say is that clearly we're talking about a person who can cause children. And I would say that you see in the Apostle an indication that if the father, the Kohen, cannot make children, then maybe Stami, there's no din, he can feed his wife Truma. The Muslim are saying, no, that's not true. There's two dinim. A, a husband feeds his wife Truma irrespective of whether or not he can have children. Then there's another law that if a Kohen uh, fathers children, even when, his, even when his marriage with his wife ends, the, the children can still feed their mother the Truma. Okay, continuing here. So now we get into a big, big sugya. This takes, is going to take us on a long, long, long journey to figure all this out. So let's begin. Remember, what is the source? We're talking about an androgynous. Androgynous is a male and a female organ. And the shaila is, how is he classified in halacha? Is he a male? Is he a female? Is it a doubt? What is this? So our Mishnah said that if androgynous going uh, marries a Jewish girl, he could feed her trima. So clearly it seems that we're understanding that he is a male. Because if he wouldn't be a male, then he wouldn't be able to get married to Abbas Israel, wouldn't be a legal marriage, and then he wouldn't be able to feed her trima. Clearly our Mishnah understands the androgynous halakhically is classified as a male. That's what it would seem. And it would seem that the Mishnah has no element of doubt about it. It's not uncertain. It's clear. He's feeding her trima. You know, clear, clear things. 
However, now we're going to see in the Gemara, it's not so clear at all. Let's see. Amar Reish Lakish, half the way down here. Pay Alpham and Alpham. Amar Reish Lakish. He could feed his wife, Truma, the androgynous, but he can't feed her the Chazavishok. What's Chazavishok? So when there's a carbon shlamim, the carbon shlamim from Kachim that is brought, so the owner eats most of the meat, but the breast and the thigh portion is given to a Kohen, and the Kohen can feed it to his family. So here, an androgynous Kohen cannot feed his wife Chazavishok. Only Truma he could feed her, not Chazavishok. What's the discrepancy? I mean, what, what's the difference, right? Either, either where he's considered a male and his wife is a wife of a coin, and then he should be able to feed her chazavashok as well. And if we're not sure if he's a male, then how could we feed her truma? So we'll have to understand what's going on in Rish Lakish. I'll just kind of like, just for a second, make it clear. We'll hold that truma in our times, now that the Beis HaMekdash has, destro- has been destroyed in our times, truma is only midrabana. Truma is only midrabana. So if truma is only midrabanan, uh, so we, we're going to be we're going to be we're going to be very lenient with it, and we're going to say even though we're not sure if an androgynous is a male or a female, so we're not sure if it's a marriage. But since truma in our times is only drabbanan to begin with, so it's not so bad. You're only dealing with a drabbanan. So when it's a doubt if, if the girl can eat it because we're not sure if she's married to a coin because we're not sure if the androgynous is a male or a female, we'll let her. But chazav ishok in the times when the base of stood and you're giving her kachim, you better make sure she's really a wife of a coin. If, if, if she's married to an androgynous, you don't know if it's a wife of a coin. It's not certain. So that's the discrepancy, that's the distinction Rish Lakish is making. Truma, if it's Truma in our times when it's only Drabbanan, it's where we're not sure if she's married to an androgynous because we're not sure if an androgynous is a male or female. Okay, we'll let it, we'll let it pass. We'll let her eat. Chazavishok, where we're dealing with a real Daraisa issue. Is she married to a Kohen? So then we got to be certain that, that the guy's a male, that the androgynous is a male. We're not certain about it, and therefore she can't eat Chazavishok. That's the opinion of Rish Lakish. So Basically, according to Rish Lakas, androgynous is not for sure, for sure a male. That wasn't what the Mishnah was saying. Androgynous is really a doubt if it's a male or a female. We can't classify him in halacha. So for Truma, we can be lenient, as the Gemara will go on to explain in Truma in our times, which is Dirabbanan. Chazabashok, which is by Torah law, we've got to make sure that she's married. We're not certain to that, and therefore she cannot. Rabbi Yochanan says, Not true. The Mishnah said, it basically, it's considered like a male, so you could feed her in the Chazabashok as well. No problem. So the Gemara says, Why are we saying that the breast and the thigh, the kachim kalim, you can't feed her? Because it's a suffix, there's an isser from the Torah for not going to eat it. And if we're not sure that androgynous is a zakhar, then we might be violating a daraisa. Isn't the law of truma also daraisa? Isn't that Torah law that a non-coin is forbidden to eat truma? So if we're not sure if, if, if the androgynous is a male or a female, she should be forbidden to truma as well. What's the difference between chaz and truma? We're talking about truma nowadays, which is only midrabbanan, the obligation when there is conditions of exile, the requirement here is only midrabbanan. So then what is the big law? If I have a suffix and a rabbinic law, I can be lenient. So since the androgynous might be a male, even though I'm not certain he's a male, his wife might be the wife of a Kohen. So if she might be a wife of a Kohen, so we can be lenient and allow her to eat truma. The truma that exists in our times only being midrabbanan. Says the Gemara, what comes out? I was much but if the base of Mishnah would be standing when Truma's dar, I saw my. What are you going to say? Then lo, the wife of the Antrogonus Kohen cannot eat Truma. So why is the mission? Why are we making a difference between eating Truma and and Chazavishok? Instead of saying, instead of Rishlakish, instead of Rishlakish saying the distinction is between Truma and Chazavishok, instead of running to Chazavishok, why don't we just differentiate in the law of Truma itself? Why don't we say this that you can feed Truma, but Medivar Mumin Truma Darabon is only when it's rabbinical Truma today. But for biblical truma, the time of the base of Mikdash law, meaning 
Why is Reish Lakish saying the split is Truma versus Chaz That's not the split. The split isn't Truma versus Chaz Vashok. The, the split should be Truma in our times versus even Truma in the time of the base of Mikdash. In other words, we should make the sharper distinction that even Truma itself, it's not always true that he feeds her the Truma. It's only Truma that we're being lenient in. It's really a soft of androgynism now. We're just being lenient in Truma. Why are we running to make the distinction to Chaz if we can make the distinction even within Truma itself? That's always classic Gemar. The Gemar wants points to be made in the sharpest way possible. So if you can make the distinction within Truma itself, so why would you run to another context and say, oh, he doesn't feed her Chazim Ashok. He, he should make a sharper point. He doesn't feed her Truma even when the base of Mekdash is standing. So the Gemar answers, Hachanami Ka'amar. That's all included in the statement. Kishu, Machilo, when he feeds and feeds his wife Truma, that's only Machilo, he's only entitled to eat Truma nowadays when Truma is Rabbanon. He doesn't entitle her in the time of Chazavishok. What does that mean in the time of Chazavishok? In the time when there is a base of Mekdash and there are Kohenim who are eating the breast and the thigh of Kachim Kalim, he doesn't feed her even Truma. And the bigger Chedish is Afilu Truma Midrabana. Listen to this. When the Beis HaMikdash is standing, there is Truma, which is Daraisa, grains, wines, oils. However, even when the Beis HaMikdash is standing, there's a concept of Truma and Rabbanon. For example, fruits and vegetables, you only take off Truma on rabbinic level. The Torah says Truma is taken off on a biblical level from grains, wines, and oils. Fruits and, fruits and vegetables are always with Rabbanon, even when the Beis HaMikdash is standing. So if we're saying Savik Rabbanon Lakula, and the Androgynous Kohen can feed his wife Truma and Rabbanon, for example, after the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed, he can give her from grains, wines, and oils that are truma midrabanon. So what about when the Beis HaMikdash is standing? Could he give her truma of fruits and vegetables, which is midrabanon? No, because we're scared he might feed her truma midrabanon. When the Beis HaMikdash stands, the grains, wines, and oils are fried by Torah law. So if we, if we make a clean law, he can feed his wife truma, he's going to come to feed her even the truma midrabanon, even from the grains, wines, and oils. So we say, when the Beis HaMikdash is standing, during the time when there is cause of a show, don't feed her truma at all, even the truma midrabanon from the fruits and vegetables. So to make a summary of Reish Lakish's view, Reish Lakish's view is that Androgynous is a suffix. It is a doubt if he is a male or a female because of the fact that he has both organs. Therefore, in halacha, if it's a time when there's only truma midrabanon in Bismanazeh in the time of the exile, which truma that comes from Israel is only midrabanon, so then we, we could be lean and we could allow her to eat the truma. But Bisman, when there is the chazim when there's a mikdash stands, we don't allow her to eat truma at all because we're concerned that might lead to her eating truma midaraisa. Just to clarify, we're going to get into this, as that's really what these all sugis are going to bring about. The conversation, what is it about the Beis HaMikdash being destroyed that makes Truma Midrabanan? I mean, Israel is the same Israel, right? Whether or not we have the Beis HaMikdash, but Israel is Israel. Truma is not coming from the Beis HaMikdash. Truma is coming from the land, the sanctity of the land. But our opinion here, Bidas Reish is that the exile it forces us to lose the Kedusha of Israel. Fascinating idea. That when the Jews are kicked out of their land, and not just that the base of Mitzvah was destroyed, but when the Jews are exiled, we have right, the Roman exile kicking the Jews away. So then the law is that Truma Bizman is only with Rabbanan. That's the, the, the fundamental here, but that's Rish Lakish. Whereas with Yochanan Amar, no, if the Mishnah said he could feed her Chazav he could feed her Truma, then he could feed her Chazav in the time of the base of Mitzvah as well. Why? Because Rabbi Yochanan holds that there's no law that Truma is only with Rabbanan today. Rabbi Yochanan holds Truma is Midaraisa today. So if the Mishnah said he could feed her, he could feed her Truma, clearly it means that we know for sure he's a male. Right? That must be what the Mishnah was saying. And if so, he could feed her Chazav as well. And the Gemara speaks that point out. You must be holding Shurma's only Midrabana. That's how you said when the Mishnah said he feeds her Shurma, but maybe he doesn't necessarily feed her Chazavashok. But I don't know that way, right? I hold Shurma's Midrabana says by Torah law. So if the Mishnah holds 
that he could he could feed her trima, it reflects that we must be certain that the that the, the, the androgynous is a male. So what's fascinating is there are two machlokes in here which are intertwined. One machlokas is, is androgynous a certain male or a suffolk male? Or Shlakish holds it's a suffolk male, or Bielkan holds it's a certain male. But there's also an underlying dispute here, which is the catalyst for that, which is, is Truma in our days, after we're exiled, or Daraisa or Darabonah? Why are those two disputes intertwined? Because the Mishnah said that Androgonus Cohen feeds his wife Truma. If Truma's Daraisa, Rabbi Yochanan's view, even Bismarck's S, you see it's a certain male. In Rish Lakish's view, where, 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 where Truma Bismarck's S is only Darabonah, then we could say, no, it's really a doubt, and he's only doing it out of leniency. So this is the question now we're going to get into, is Truma Bismanazet the Araisa or the Rabbana? Now, a little words of introduction are necessary to understand the Gemara coming up. There's a concept of Bittal. What is the concept of Bittal? Everybody knows, a little milk falls in the chalan, you're good, right? Not enough, you can't taste it, you're good to go. Now, there's a concept of Bittal, again, where it's something is, 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 is bottle becomes nullified, um, it's, it's as if it doesn't exist, it, it changes its properties of Isser, but again, it has to be that it's bottled, it's nullified to something greater than it. What if something is an extremely significant item? It's something so significant that it can never really lose itself. That's the concept. It can't lose in its identity because it's so distinct, so chashev, so significant that it cannot become bottled. We will see. Okay? We'll see. So there's a concept that the rabbis instituted that there's no bittle. For super important chashev things, there's no bittle. So a little milk. Why can't it become bottle? A little milk. I mean, you know, what is it already? Right? So it becomes bottle. It becomes bottle. It becomes part of the challenge. That's why I don't have to worry about it. But if I have something super significant, we're going to see that there's a concept that the Rabbanon legislated that it does not become bottle. So that's the background information you need. And now we will proceed. On my Leirish Lakas, you're going to try to prove that Trim is only the Rabbanon. In, how do I know that? Shani, show now. I have a price. The price I was talking about. A, a, a fig cake. We don't have fig cakes the way they used to have, but they would take basically take some figs, dry them out, press them all together. And it would be like, you know, imagine like some sort of like round cylinder cake and it would just be made up instead of, you know, a cake batter. It was just a pressed figs stuck all together. So I have a bride that speaks about a, a round cake of pressed figs that was made of truma that got mixed up with other round cakes of pressed figs that were chulen. And the question is, does the cake of truma become nullified? What would the nullification mean? That now a non-Kohen could eat it. Is there such a law? So Ani Shona equal Bigum Ola. Ola means that it could become nullified. I have a price that says that it could become nullified, and now a non-Kohen can eat all the cakes. Now, here is the key. How could that be true? I mean, it's a davar hachashav, a ground cake, right? Think about it. You go to a store. You, a round cake, it's like a specific, special item. It's a specialty item. It's hachashav. It's significant. So a cake, if it, could be, if it says in a price that it could be bottle, doesn't that seem to conflict to such a basic rule that we have in bittle that significant items don't become nullified? How is this working? How is this round cake of truma becoming nullified in the other round cakes of hulim? You know what the answer must be? Truma is only drop on it today. So since Truma is only Midrabana to begin with, eh, will allow the leniency of Bittal to take place even on a Davar Achashim. But had it been that Truma Bismanazeh is by Torah law, where I'm dealing with a biblical Isser, no way would, the, would we say that a significant round cake of Truma could be Bottle. So Rish Lakish is saying, if I see in the price that the round cake of pressed figs of Truma is Bottle, then I have evidence that Truma is only Midrabana. Omar Leh, Rabbi Yochanan said to him, That can't be what's going on because I'll talk to you. I have a price that talks about a slice of meat 
and we're going to be talking about a piece of meat from a carbon. I have a chatos, a carbon chatos, where meat came out, and it was mamish, a, 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 an isra daraisa, maybe it was tamay or something, with a kohen and we eat it, but one piece became tamay, it got mixed up with other, sli- with other slices of meat, which were tahar, and it says it could become bato. Now, that type of isra is an isra daraisa, to eat, that this, we're going to quote the price on Lamed Beis, so don't get so nervous that we're not quoting it, we're going to quote it. But basically the case is, you had a carbon chatas, you had different slices of meat, and one piece became tamay. You can't eat that meat, it's very, very chamer. It got mixed up with other pieces of meat from the carbon chatas, which were tar. What do we say? Nullified. No problem. You could eat them. Even though you can't eat tamay, cut your meat, you could eat it. Why? Because it's nullified. Now, a slice of meat, a slab of meat is also a very significant thing. And we're going to measure significance in a, in a minute, just so you get a flavor for it now. Significance is measured that when you go and you buy it in the store, is there ever a concept that like you'll just, the, the, the seller will just approximate how much it is and throw it in? Maybe sometimes you get this amount, sometimes you get that amount. Or when the seller is selling it, since it's so significant, he'll measure. Do you want five pieces of meat? Or do you want four pieces of meat? He's very significant, right? What's the price? You know, it's very special. And these things we are, it is important. It's not like, you know, you buy, I'll just give you a quick example. When you buy, I don't know, almonds, right? So today we will do something sometimes by weight. And that's why you're in the shuk, they'll measure it exactly. That's not the way it is. You go and you buy almonds in the shuk in, in primitive times. Yeah, they, 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 they approximate. You may throw in almonds in the bag. All right, five bucks, go, done. That shows you almonds are insignificant. But if you're buying a slab of meat, they don't do that. How many slabs are you buying, sir? Are you buying four or are you buying five? And the price is going to be very different if it's four or if it's five. That represents that a slab of meat is a specialty item. It's significant. It doesn't mean it's rare. That's not the key here. It means it's treated as significant. So if so, over here, if we have a bracer that's saying the slices of, of the chatas meat become, become bottle with the slices of, of the chatas meat, the tamay ones with the tar ones, what do I see? Hey, that even that can become bottle. But wait a second. Everybody agrees that chatas meat is an isra daraisa. Elamai, what's the vart? The vart is that just because something is sold by number doesn't mean it's truly significant. Just because it's normally sold by number, that doesn't mean it's significant enough. Yes, it's true, we'll measure out, you know, is it five pieces of meat or four pieces of meat? But it's not exclusively sold by that. Sometimes in the market, a piece of meat will be just thrown in. Sometimes you'll get that amount. Sometimes you'll get this amount. Sometimes we're going to approximate. And if it's not exclusively done in that way, even if it's usually done in that way, it's not treated as an ultra superior exclusive specialty item. And the point that Rabbi Yochanan is making is, your whole thing with the fig cakes is that, oh, it's a davar achashav, how is it bottle? It must be truma as darabonan. Says Rabbi Yochanan, I see slabs of meat which are an isra daraisa can become bottle, even though that's an isra daraisa. Elamai, your degree of significance is wrong. You think anything which is commonly sold by number is significant and therefore it shouldn't be bottle, your premise is wrong. It's not something usually sold by number. It's only something exclusively sold by number. And a fig cake and a slab of meat are not exclusively sold by number. And that's what he finishes off. You think any item that's commonly counted is considered chashav enough that it's not bato? I'm going to show you the Mishnah. Actually, the correct text in the Mishnah should be it's only something exclusively counted is considered so significant that it's not subject to bito. So what's coming out is he's, you brought up a riot from the fig cakes that Trim must drop on him because we're also be bato. We're refuting that proof. Rabbi Yochanan saying it's not a proof. A fig cake is not exclusively sold by numbers. It's usually sold by numbers. It's not exclusively sold by numbers. So it's not super significant. If it's not super significant, really maybe Trim but it could still be bottled. So now the Gemara wants to get, where's the background for this? Commonly sold by number, exclusively sold by number, the rule that something significant doesn't become bottled. Where is all this coming from? Says the Gemara, my heat. Give me the background to all, this, all these concepts. So the Gemara says, now we look at a Mishnah, Mishnah and Arlam. 
Someone had bundles of tilton. Tilton is a type of bean here. It's a type of like, I don't know, bean or it's a type of spice exactly, but it's a significant spice. And it comes from Kalayim Kileakar. It was planted Kalayim in a vineyard. So Kalayim in a vineyard, right? Halacha is it has to be destroyed. So if you have that, Yidoku, you burn it, right? In other words, the law is you can't benefit, it's burned. The Safabachir is what if these bundles of, the, of this, of this tilton got mixed up with other mutter bundles of this spice? So what's the law? Kulam Yidoku, they all have to be burned, top of the Ahmed base. Why is that? Because since I don't know which one is which, and any one that I use might be the Asr one, so it's all got to be burned. Divi Rameir, these are the words of Rameir. Now, what's Rabbi Meir's point? Is that no matter how many kosher bundles I have, it could be one million kosher bundles, but if one Kalaya Karim bundle of this spice got mixed in, all of them have to be burned because it's too significant. It resists the bittle. This bundle of tilton evidently is a specialty item. It's a significant item, but that's Rabbi Meir, and therefore it resists bittle. No matter how many kosher bundles I have, you got to get rid of all of them. Rabbi Meir. Now we're going to see again what's so significant about a bundle. We'll see. No, as long as the number is that there are 200 kosher ones, 200 kosher ones will nullify the one forbidden bundle because then that's the number. The 200 to one is the ratio for bittel by kile hakerem. By kile hakerem, it's not important for us to know how that came to be the ratio, but just trust us, that is the ratio. It's 200 to one. So Chacham say you could have bittel, 200 to one bundles, everything's fine. Rabbi Meir says, no, it's too significant to become bundle. Why is that? Anything which is normally counted and sold in individual units makes the whole thing awesome. This is Rebbe Mayer's view. This is what we're learning. This is the concept. Anything that's darko limnos, that's usually counted how many I have and then it's sold depending on how many, I, how many units I have, then it's too significant to become bottle. And that's exactly what this, what this bundle of this tilton is. The bundle of tilton is something which is typically counted and only sold by number. It's not something where you would just usually approximate now, it's not, and then what we're, we're going to get into, does that mean it's exclusively sold by number, or do we mean it's commonly sold by number? That's what Rabbi Yochanan and Rosh Lakish were discussing. They're discussing here Rabbi Meir's view. Rabbi Meir is telling us an idea, a concept, that something which is significant, by, and we see, we measure significance by usually or perhaps exclusively being sold by number, it cannot become bought. Whereas Chachamim, Chachamim say, no, true, that's not true. That whole rule is not true. There are six things in the entire world which do not become bottle because they're so special. But short of those six things, everything is bottle. What are the six things we'll talk about? Rabbi Kiva Omar Shiva, Rabbi Kiva says it's actually seven. Elohim, these are them. Egoze Perach, nuts of Perach. So it's a place. Now the point, the Rambam I'm gonna show you, you know, we don't know what Egoze Perach are today, but the Rambam explains it's the best nut of that entire region. That's the point. The point is, is that, you know, if, if, you're, if somebody is growing nuts, there's a, nuts that come from one place, which are clearly the best thing in their class. So you think you already start thinking about what that would be today. If you would have, a, you know, a, a, a type of apple, a type of apple, yeah, there are apples, different preferences, whatever it is. And then there's one apple, which comes from a certain place, a certain type of apple, where you clearly see it's a highly superior product. It's charged more for it. It's the greatest demand, so on and so forth. That would be an equivalent of a goze perach. That's the way the Ramam teaches it. Rimone badan, pomegranates from badan. Chaviostumos, a sealed cask of wine. So here, when I have wine, when it's sealed, it's like barrel of wine, special, sealed, unopened one, that is considered too significant to become bottle if it has forbidden substance. The chilfe tardin, a special stock type of beet stock, a stack of cabbage. Again, we're talking about very unique 
uh, very, very unique thing. And, at the, and, and again, this is talking about in Israel, where in the time, it seems they were rare and superior. But as the Rambam says, these things fluctuate. You know, if you live in a place where there's cabbage all over the place, and you know, this and that, so then obviously it's not going to be a superior significant item. And they can vary from generation to generation. Udulas Ivanis, a Greek gourd. The Greek gourd is considered the most important gourd in the world. Homemade, homemade loaf of bread. It's larger than a regular loaf of bread that the bakers used to make. A specialty type of challah. Interesting. That is a special thing. Of those seven things, the ones that could be Arla, Arla, Arla is only fruit. So the ones that could be Arla uh, would fit for the laws of Arla. The ones that are fit to become Kalim in the vineyard, which are the vegetables, the plants, Kalim Fine. So now, basically, let's get into this now. Basically, we have a machlokas between Rabbi Meir and the Chacham. The Chacham say only the seven specialty items are impervious to bittal. If you're not one of the seven specialty items, everything else in the world could be bittal. Rabbi Meir has a much broader definition of chashivas, of significance, to defy bittal. In his view, it's things that are sold by number. Things that are sold by number, where you wouldn't approximate in the market, you would count it and sell them by unit, that is too significant. A very different definition. Obviously, Reb Meir's definition will include many more things. It happens to be in the Mishnah here that Nafkimina was the bundle of tilton, that bundle of spice that I guess is typically is, is sold by number. Rabbi Meir is going to say it's not bought on the Chamze, it's what? Now, Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish, the Amoraim, they come along and they're analyzing Rabbi Meir's view that it depends whether it's sold by number. And they had a dispute what the correct text was in the Mishnah. The Mishnah said something sold by number. Does it mean something commonly sold by number? Or does it mean something exclusively sold by number? And now the Gemara speaks that out. Again, this is all within Rebbe Mayer's view, within the Rabbanon's view. I guess sold by number is not enough. It's got to be the seven specialty items or nothing. But according to Rebbe Mayer, it's sold by number, that that's what makes chashivos. So the question is, what degree of sold by number? Rebbe Yochran Savar, es shedarko limano shemino. It's only something exclusively counted meaning you will never find in the market someone approximating with this item. It is only sold by a number. That is something which is so chashuv that would defy the bittle. So for example, a cake, a slab of meat, those are commonly sold by number, but not exclusively sold by number. So therefore, they could become bottle, even according to Rebbe Meir. No, 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 that wasn't the correct text. The text was anything that's usually sold by number and counted before it's sold is considered too chashiv to be bottle. Therefore, according to him, a cake, a slab of meat, which are typically commonly counted and sold individually as unit, so then, then, then those things would be uh, impervious to bittle. So now we could understand, now that we got all that background information, now let's work backwards, we understand what the Gemara was doing. Basically, we, came, we come out, and the opinion of it sounds like interesting that they're following the opinion of Rameir, not the Chachamim. That is an interesting point here. But it sounds like Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi are following Rameir's view that something that's sold by number is significant and is not bottle. But they're arguing about what that means. So is it only that it's exclusively sold by number or commonly sold by number? The Nafkamina is getting back to our discussion of Truma in our times as Darabanan or Daraisa. Reish Lakish discovered a price. The b'risa that Reish Lakish discovered is that a fig cake of truma that got mixed up with fig cakes of chulin is bottle. Reish Lakish lishitaso, that anything commonly sold by number is never bottle. He said, hey, how is this fig cake being bottle? A fig cake is usually sold by number. 
Must be, says Rish Lakish, Truma Mazmanazah is only Durabanan. Since Truma Mazmanazah is only Durabanan, we're making on the fake cakes. Rabbi Yochanan says back, that's not a proof. You got the rule wrong. It doesn't matter if it's commonly sold by number. It only matters if it's exclusively sold by number. And a fig cake is not exclusively sold by number. Therefore, maybe Truma Mazmanazah is really Torah law. Maybe it's still biblically binding that Truma is there in Israel today. The reason the fig cake is bottled is because it's not exclusively sold by number. And Rabbi Yochanan is proving that he is correct because he says, I've got another brisa, which spoke about slabs of meat of chatas meat. Chatas meat is clearly a daraisa, and it says that it could become bottle. I mean, how does that work? Clearly, you're dealing with an isra daraisa. Again, the answer must be, says Rabbi Yochanan, that the correct principle is not anything commonly sold by number, but rather the principle is something exclusively sold by number. So that's Rabbi Yochanan's rebuttal to Reish Lakish. And now, after we saw his rejection to Reish Lakish, the Gemara wants to quote this brisa of the slabs of meat. My chaticha, where is this brisa that Rabbi Yochan was referring to with the meat? The Tanya says in a brisa, chaticha shal chatas tamei. If I have a slice of chatas meat that became tame, and when it becomes tame, again, it cannot be eaten by the kohanim. But what happened is, shenis arva b'meya chaticha shal chatas tamei. It got mixed up with a hundred slices of chatas meats that are tar. The chain, prusa shalachma upon him. I have a piece of the lachma upon him, the bread from the shulchan that the kohanim are meant to eat, that the bread became tamei. Shenis arva b'meya prusa shalachma upon him. Tar. It got mixed up with one hundred pieces of lachma upon him that are tar. What is the law? Tala. The law is that it becomes bottle and it can be eaten by the kohanim. Even though one piece was tamei, it became bottle, became nullified. And again, how could that be? It's an isra daraisa. Meat is a, is a chashav item. The tarot is. It's not so chashav. Even though it's usually sold by number, it's not exclusively sold by number. Rabbi Yehuda Marida says, Lo Tala, it should not be bottle. What is the reason for this? Um, we'll have to see, you know, what, what, what exactly is going on. The Gemara is going to explain it. It could be that he holds that, that, that maybe he holds that anything commonly sold by numbers is too chashav to be bottle. The Gemara in the coming up will introduce another reason why Rabbi Yehuda disagrees. We'll see. Now the Brisa continues. In contrast, if I have a slice of chatas meat, that is tahar. The issue isn't that tummy got mixed up with tar, but rather that the chatas meat got mixed up with regular meat. So the issue here is not that could the koanim eat it despite the fact that one of them is tummy, but the issue is something else. I have one chatas meat that got mixed up with the same type of meat, just it's all chulin. Okay, so the issue is could a non koan Say it's, hey, it's all bottle, and even a non Kohen can eat all the meat. So, what is or? I have one piece of lechem upon him bread that got mixed up with pieces of bread that were ordinary bread. So, the question is is it bottle that a regular Joe can come along and eat all the bread? Here, everybody agrees that it should not become bottle, and a non Kohen cannot eat it. Why does everybody agree? Why is it different? Again, the ratio was if I have a piece of meat that is tame from the carbon that got mixed up with other pieces of the meat from the carbon that are tahar, there it is, but according to the Tanakhama at least. But in the Seifa, where the, kosh, where, the, where, where the tar carbon meat got mixed up with other ordinary pieces of meat, we say everybody agrees it's not bottle. Why the distinction? Why, why is it different? So, and again, as we explained, the slices of meat are not too, are not too significant, right? They sometimes are, 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 are approximated. Usually they're not, but sometimes they are. So what's going on here in the Seifa? So Rashi explains, the idea is as follows. In the Reisha, where it's a piece of meat that's tamay, that got mixed up with a piece of meat that's, that, that's tar, if they would not be bottled, what would happen? You have to throw it all away, right? No one, you can't, pot, it's forbidden to eat the chata's meat, which is tamay, so you wouldn't be able to eat it. So my option is either bottle or throw it all away. So the answer is bottle. We allow the Kohen to eat it. In the Seifa, what's going on? The question is, could a non-Kohen eat the mixture when one piece of meat is from the carbon and the rest of it is, is ordinary meat? 
If we would not say it's Balta, what would the law be? We would have to throw it out? No, we wouldn't have to throw it out. We could sell it to a Kohen. A Kohen is entitled to eat all the meat. He doesn't have any question. Just the price of something that I can only sell to a Kohen is obviously much lower than a price of something that a regular person can eat. So yes, there would be a loss of money, but it wouldn't go to zero. It's not something that you would throw out. So using so here the bittel isn't as necessary. You're dealing with something that even without the bittel, somebody would be able to eat it. So therefore, there's no loss of kachim or something like that. Someone would be able to eat it. So therefore, we're going to be machmir, we're going to be stringent, and we're going to say that there's no bittel. In the ratio where one piece of meat was tameh, and if there would be no bittel, it would all be thrown out and would be a loss of kachim. So there we're lenient, and we say the piece of meat becomes, becomes nullified. But here, where if there would not be bittel, a regular coin could eat it, just it would be a somewhat of a loss of money that we'd have to sell it only at a discounted price to the coin. Okay, we're not going to rely on bittel. That's the distinction between the ratio and the seifa. Very interesting. Okay? Now, the problem is, if you think about that principle, though, it's a kasha, tremendous kasha. Because what did we learn? We learned that a fig cake of truma that got mixed up with fig cakes of chulin could become batal, right? That was what the price was. What was the reason? Because we're saying a fig cake is not exclusively sold by number, it's only commonly sold by number. But again, why don't I say the same thing? If that fig cake would not become bottle, would I have to throw out all the fig cakes? No. It's just the non-Kohen wouldn't be able to eat them. What could I do with it? Sell it to a Kohen at a discounted price. So here it seems that there's a contradiction from our idea that without Kohen, without, without Bittel by us, by the carbon meat, we're saying if the Kohen would be able to eat it, then don't use Bittel. But by the Truma, we said different. So this is a hard question. So when, when do I say it and when do I not? So Rashi seems to answer that the answer is, is that, and this is where things are going full circle, is that could we answer that the fig cake was, what are figs? Figs are fruit. So it's only truma durabanan. So fig cakes, which are only truma durabanan, we could be more lenient than by chata's meat, which is a daraisa. Maybe. Maybe that's the answer. Anyways, sorry for that tangent. We get back to what we wanted. What was Rabbi Yochanan's proof? Ketani mi es The first part of the price said that the slice of meat, again, slices of meats are usually sold when they're uh, counted when they're sold. They could still become nullified, right? The piece of meat which was tame that got mixed up with the pieces of meat which were tar could become nullified. So this is against Rish Lakush. According to Rish Lakush, any item commonly sold by number is above bittel. It cannot become bottle. It's too significant. There's no way in the ratio that we could be saying that the piece of meat that became tame could be bottle. So that's Rabbi Yochanan's proof that Rabbi Yochanan was wrong. So how does, how does Rish Lakush respond? You know what we're talking about? The slice, of, the slice of meat here, or the, the, the lacham upon him, became dissolved. Meaning, you're right, if the piece of meat would be intact, it would have become bottle, it would be significant. We're talking about it, that it became shredded. In other words, it's, it's in small little pieces now. For some reason, it was dissolved, it was cut up. And if so, it's not in a significant state. Even if Bisoda Dover came from a significant thing, but if it's not in that state anymore, it dissolved, it was cut up into small little bits, so then, then it could become bottle. So very good. So now that we understand that in the ratio, the only re- really it's anything commonly sold by number cannot become bottle. The only reason in the ratio why it could become bottle is because the piece of meat was broken up and it wasn't in a significant state. If that's so, my time to Rabbi Yudah, why was Rabbi Yudah's reason? Rabbi Yudah argued that even in the ratio, it cannot become bottle. Why? Why did Rabbi Yudah disagree? If we would say it's significant, then we could say maybe they're arguing about something, how significant does it have to be? But if we're saying that it's, it's shredded up and it's, and it's clearly not significant, so why is Rabbi Yudah saying it's not bottle? Says the Gemara, top of them, and Aleph, Rabbi Yudah time, Rabbi Yudah is consistent with his opinion and the rest of Shas. What's his opinion? Min bimino lo bottle. Something mixed up in its own kind does not become bottle. What does that mean? If meat becomes mixed up in meat, just one is tummy and one is tar, they're the same physical, physical properties, just one is tummy and one is tar. Review the whole, there's no bittel. There is no bittel to two substances which are exactly the same. Bittel is only when the two substances are different. 
Meaning, I got milk that falls in my chalent. Milk and chalent are different. So there, the overwhelming majority of chalent nullifies milk. But if I have one piece of meat that is kosher, that got mixed up with other pieces of meat that are not kosher, but they're both meat, Rabbi Yudah's position is... Min bimino lo bottle, a substance that is in its own kind can never become bottle. The fascinating concept, what's behind this concept of Rabbi Yehuda? Bittel is, is based upon difference. If A and B are so different, then when you're mixing with me, so then you become just nullified to me. But when we are exactly the same, then the opposite. Even if we have a halachic difference between us, you're kosher, I'm treif, you're tame, I'm tar, even if I'm the majority, I don't nullify you because you're not so different than me. You're similar to me. That's the concept of Rabbi Yehuda. So in Rabbi Yehuda's view, let it be that the meat is not significant. Let it be that it shriveled up. It doesn't make a difference. Min bimino cannot be bottled. min bimino is bottled. So the only thing we have to watch out for is it too significant. So we say, no, the meat was in a state that it was dissolved and therefore it wasn't too significant to be become bottled. Rabbi Yehuda holds min bimino low bottle, min bimino low bottle. So even if it's in an insignificant state, it's still cannot be bottled. So we're going to stop here for today. Let me just make the quick summary of what we have. We have, we're trying to figure out if Androgynous could feed his wife Truma. F- very simple question. Is it a, a, a for sure male? Is it only uncertain male? Which one is it? The Mishra said he could feed her Truma. Reish Lakish holds that that's only because Truma in our days is Durabanan. Androgynous is a suffix. It's only a Durabanan today, so we could be lenient. He can't feed her Chazav Ashok. He can't feed her Truma when the base of Mikdash stood. Androgynous is a suffix. Reish Lakish's understanding is that Truma in our days is the Rabbanon, that's why he could feed her. Rabbi Yochanan, no, Truma is Manaseh, is Doraisa. So if it said he could feed her the Truma, it means Androgynous is for sure a Zachar. What is the background to the dispute of Truma is Manaseh, is Doraisa, or the Rabbanon? The background is we know that it says in a Braisa that a fig cake that, that of Truma that got mixed up with other fig cakes that, is, that are non Truma becomes nullified. And Rishlaki shows that anything commonly sold by number cannot become bottle. So it must be the only reason it's bottle is because Truma is the Rabbanon, so we could be super lenient. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, your premise is wrong. Truma is Manaseh, the fig cake can become bottle because the rule is not anything commonly sold by numbers, not bottle. The rule is only something exclusively sold by numbers, not bottle. Fig cake is commonly sold by number, but not exclusively sold by number. That's why it's bottle. And now, now we're getting into this entire tangent in the laws and circumstances that pertain to bittle and the idea that something too significant cannot become bottle.